Good morning, church. Thank you so very much for being part of our online service this morning. I want you to know that whether you're a member here at McDermott Road or you're a guest with us that's participating in our online service, we want you to know that we love you and we appreciate you. Thank you for being part of our service this morning. First of all, I want to share some good news with you. Uh, we have a new sister in Christ. Sammy Gilly was baptized last Sunday evening by our family life minister, Matt Mead. So congratulations to Sammy. We are so incredibly excited for her and thank thankful for her decision to put Jesus on in baptism. I also want to say to all of our moms, happy Mother's Day. I know that Mother's Day, every Mother's Day, can be challenging. For those that do not have children, wish to have children, cannot have children, today can be a very challenging and difficult day. For those that have lost their mothers, for mothers who've lost their children, for those that have a strained and difficult relationship with their mothers, I know today can be a challenging day and I want you to know that you're in my prayers. And I also want to thank those moms that are working doubly hard right now. I know that those moms that have had kids at home the last few weeks, not been able to get out and go to school and do the various activities that you're used to doing, thank you. Thank you for the work that you're doing. We know that you're tired and that you need a break and that you're worn out, but listen, you are in our prayers and we love you, and we thank you for the good work that you're doing, for the hard work that you're doing. In fact, I'd like to begin today by saying a prayer for everyone this morning. Let's pray. Father, by your design, none of us would be here had it not been for our mothers. So we thank you for those women who brought each of us into the world. For those of us who were blessed to be taught and loved by a caring, compassionate, and godly mother, we thank you for this tremendous blessing. And for those who did not know the love of their mother, we pray they may be comforted by your love, by your tenderness, and by your care. And for those who have lost their mother, I pray that you comfort them with the hope of resurrection and reunion that we have in Christ Jesus. This morning, Father, many of our mothers, especially those with young children, are tired, worn out, and ready for a break. I pray that you will strengthen and renew their spirits Help them to know how appreciated and loved they are for the work they do and the difference they make. Father, many are separated from their families this morning, and I pray that their loneliness might be alleviated by the comfort of your presence. No matter how big or small our families may be, no matter what we've been through, no matter what we've experienced, we pray that you bless each and every household. May our families hallow your name. May your kingdom come, and may your will be done in our homes as it is in heaven. This week, I was incredibly blessed and inspired to learn the story of a woman named Ann Jarvis. I don't know if you've ever heard Ann Jarvis's name or not, but she has a remarkable story. Ann Jarvis was born in 1832, and when she was pregnant with her sixth child, and she bore probably between 11 and 13 children, Sadly, only four of those children reached adulthood. And because she had lost so many children and because so many families in her area of West Virginia had lost so many children because childhood diseases and infant mortality was so high, when she was pregnant with her sixth child, she began to organize women's work clubs, work groups, 
And these women would take care of medicine and food and clothing. They would help families whose children became ill or whose mothers became ill and weren't able to take care of their children. They would even go around and inspect milk to make sure it was good to drink long before the government did such a thing. But they would take care of each other, take care of their neighbors. And then when the Civil War broke out, these same clubs, these same work groups of mothers, hardworking mothers led by Ann Jarvis, they began to minister and take care of troops on both sides. When typhoid fever and measles broke out, both in the Union camp and in the Confederate camp, Ann Jarvis and these women took food and clothing and medicine and ministered to troops on both sides of the conflict. And then when the Civil War ended, they organized, Ann Jarvis organized events that promoted unity and reconciliation and healing. She was a very remarkable woman. In fact, her daughter, Anna, is the one who started Mother's Day. In 1905, May of 1905, Anna, the daughter of Ann Jarvis, wanted to make sure that her mother and mothers like her were honored, and so in memory of her mother, every May we celebrate Mother's Day, and we celebrate not only Ann Jarvis, but other mothers who are committed to doing the hard work, committed to a mission, and that's what was so inspiring to me about Ann Jarvis's story, is because here's a mom who was committed to a mission, a mission of peace, a mission of alleviating suffering, a mission of loving her neighbor. This, this month, in fact, for the next several weeks into next month, we're going to be doing a series about family. We're going to be talking about how our homes, if we are children of God, followers of Jesus, citizens of the kingdom of God, no matter how big or small our families are, our homes should be little embassies of God's kingdom. Isn't that true? Our homes should be little embassies of God's kingdom. No matter how big or small your family is, no matter what shape or size your family is, maybe it's just you in your household. Or maybe it's you and your spouse. Or maybe it's just you and your children. Or maybe it's you and your spouse and your children. Or maybe it's you and your grandchildren. No matter how big or small your family is, your home should be a little embassy of God's kingdom in your neighborhood. In my neighborhood, my home should be a little embassy of the kingdom of God. In your neighborhood, your home should be a little embassy of God's kingdom. And we should pray, just as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as we pray for God's will to be done everywhere as it is in heaven, we should especially pray that God's will be done in our home as it is in heaven. Father, may your will be done in my home as it is in heaven. May my family, may my household be a place where your goodness, where your character, where your will is reflected into the world, where our home is a little embassy of God's 
kingdom. And if that's true, if that's true that our home should be a little embassy of God's kingdom, then our homes should be very different than the average home. Our homes, the homes of those who follow Jesus, those who embrace the way of the kingdom of God, if that's true, if our homes are a little embassy of God's kingdom in our neighborhood, then they should look very different than the average American home. Is that true? Is that okay to say? Do you agree with that idea? That our homes, the views, the perspective, the worldview, the values that we have in our homes should be different than the average home. In fact, this is exactly what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, about what it looks like, what it means to be children of God, what it means to be citizens of God's kingdom, that everywhere we go, we are representatives of the kingdom of God. And our families, our households, our homes are little embassies of God's kingdom in our neighborhood. And they are different. They're different than other households because the way we think and what we value is just different. And one of the places that we have to start is with our definition of blessed. What does it mean to be a blessed people? What does it mean to have a blessed life? Jesus begins his sermon on what the kingdom of God looks like and what the kingdom of God is all about. He begins by redefining blessed. He, he begins by turning upside down and turning on its head what it looks like to have the blessed life. And if we are going to be the kind of people who say, Father, may your will be done in my house as it is in heaven. May this be a little embassy of your kingdom in my neighborhood. Then we have to embrace Jesus' redefinition of what it means to have a blessed life. So that's where we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. The text says, seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Now, you've probably heard sermons and lessons on the Beatitudes a lot of times, and you've probably read this countless times, but I want us to rethink the way that we read the Beatitudes. See, we have this tendency to read the Beatitudes as if it's just a list of this is what you ought to do. Instead, I want to challenge you to think about it as a list of announcements about who wins, an announcement about who gets the blessings of God. So in other words, it's like Jesus saying, congratulations, congratulations, this is your lucky day. Congratulations, this is the day you've been waiting for. Congratulations, now God's promises are for people like you. Congratulations to these kinds of people because the kingdom of God is for people just like you. Congratulations to these kinds of people because the promises of God are for people just like you. But look at the things that he says. It's not at all what you would have expected him to say. Jesus doesn't say, congratulations to all the strong. The kingdom of God is for you. He doesn't say, congratulations to the rich. 
The kingdom of God is for people like you. He doesn't say, congratulations to the incredibly smart. The kingdom of God is for people just like you. This is what he says. Congratulations. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The the poor in spirit? Not those who are filled up with spirit, not the zealous and the people that are confident and the people that are spiritually have all their act together, but the destitute in spirit. The poor in spirit. Jesus says, congratulations to the poor in spirit. Blessed are you, poor in spirit. Here's my announcement of the kingdom of God. Congratulations, poor in spirit, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, what, mourn? Mourn. Jesus doesn't say, congratulations to the happy. The kingdom of God is yours. You'll be comforted. He says, congratulations. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The promises of God are for people just like you. Blessed are the meek. We've talked about this word in in some of our adult Bible classes. The Hebrew word here is anav, and that's the word he's quoting now translated into Greek. But the anav, the, the poor, the downtrodden, the afflicted, Congratulations to the afflicted. Congratulations to the destitute. Congratulations to the poor. Blessed are you because you will inherit the earth. Jesus is announcing these congratulatory statements, these announcements about what it looks like and what it means to be blessed. Who really are the blessed people? What does it mean to be blessed? These are the kinds of things that Jesus says. Now let's keep reading. In verse 6, he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The people like the scribes and Pharisees, who would have been the people that would have been expecting the congratulations, they were expecting the Messiah to show up and say, congratulations, scribes and Pharisees, you've been so incredibly righteous, the kingdom of God is yours. Congratulations, all the promises of God are yours. But Jesus doesn't come and say, congratulations to those who are full. Congratulations to those who have it all figured out. Congratulations to those who think they they know everything and are doing everything right. It's congratulations to those who are desperate, who are desperately seeking, like a hungry man for food, like a thirsty man for water. Congratulations, hungry people. Congratulations, thirsty people. You are the ones who will be satisfied. Congratulations, merciful people. Congratulations, those who are pure in heart. Blessed are you because you will see God and you will receive mercy. Look at verse nine, if you would. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did did you hear what he said? Are you reading with me in that text? Do you see what Jesus is saying? Blessed are those who are what, church? 
persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Congratulations, persecuted people. The kingdom of heaven is yours. Not congratulations to those who have never been persecuted, those who've escaped persecution. You're the blessed ones. But he says, guess what? Those of you that have been persecuted, congratulations. The kingdom of heaven is yours. I know you thought you were destitute. I know that you thought God had turned his back on you. I know you thought you'd been abandoned. I I know you were hungry and thirsty for a relationship with God. Blessed are you. Congratulations. Today's your day. The promises of God are for people just like you. Congratulations to the brokenhearted. Congratulations to those who are weeping and mourning. Congratulations to those who are poor in spirit. Congratulations to those who are hungry and thirsty. The promises of God are yours. You will be called sons of God. Look at verse 11. Jesus says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Congratulations, those of you that have had people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Congratulations, I have good news for you. The promises of God are for people just like you. The kingdom of God is for people just like you. Now let's stop and let's think for a second. Is this typically how we define what it means to be blessed? Often when we talk about how blessed we are, we talk about the fact that we don't have to endure persecution. Now, I mean, I tend to be kind of glad that I've never had to face that sort of persecution. But Jesus doesn't say, congratulations, those of you that live in a country that you've never had to face persecution. Congratulations to you that live in a nice, comfortable, safe neighborhood and home. Congratulations. You don't have to feel what it feels like to go through these things. Jesus says, congratulations to those who've been persecuted. Blessed are you. I've got good news for people just like you. Jesus insists that if we are going to be people of the kingdom, if our homes are going to be little embassies of God's kingdom, then we cannot, we cannot define blessedness the way others define blessedness. Other people congratulate the strong. Congratulations, you who are strong. Jesus congratulates those who are weak. Others congratulate those who are happy. Jesus congratulates those who mourn. Others congratulate those who are spiritually confident. But Jesus congratulates the seekers. Jesus congratulates the frustrated. So what's the application of all of this? It's that we have to let Jesus redefine what it means to be blessed. We have to allow Jesus to redefine for our families what it means to be blessed. And this means that when we think about our blessedness, when we, and I like this saying, count our blessings, why are you blessed? Well, 
the world would say, when you count your blessings, take stock of all your strength, right? When you count your blessings, take stock of all your strength. Well, I, I went to a great school, and I have a good education, and I make good money, and I have a big family, and these things have gone right, and I'm happy about this, and I'm happy about that. The world would say, when you count your blessings, take stock of your strength. Jesus says, let me, let me blow your mind for a second. When you count your blessings, take stock of your weakness. Take stock of your heartbreak. Take stock of your hunger. Take stock of your thirst. Take stock of your tears. Take stock of your need. Take stock of your desperation. Because when you take stock of these things and you say, I'm broken and I'm struggling and I'm hungry and I'm thirsty and I need and I don't feel like I have it figured out and I feel like I have such a long way to go and I'm, I'm so ready for a change and I'm so ready for a blessing, then Jesus shows up and he says, congratulations, because the promises of God are for people just like you. When you take stock of your life, do you come away thinking, I've got it all figured out and I, I know what I'm doing and I'm spiritually confident? Or do you come away saying, I'm spiritually weak? If you come away saying, I'm weak, then let Jesus reassure you, congratulations, blessed are you, you who are poor in spirit. Blessed are you who are meek. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Congratulations to all of you because the promises of God are for people just like you. The kingdom of God is for people just like you. So how do we apply this to our family? Whether you live in a big household or a small household, whether it's two parents and children, or it's one parent and children, or it's two adults, or it's, it's, just, it's grandparents and grandchildren, no matter what your family looks like, this is where it begins. This is where it begins. We have to embrace Jesus' definition of blessedness. We are not blessed because we are strong. We are blessed because the promises of God are for people just like us. That's why we're blessed. And we've got to teach that to our children and to our grandchildren, to ourselves, to our spouse, to our neighbors, that this is how we define blessed. We define the blessed life as the people for whom the promises of God apply. And that's all of us if we're willing to embrace this type of humility, this type of mindset, this type of value system that says the most blessed people are those to whom Jesus says the kingdom of God is for people just like you. The promises of God are for people just like you. So I don't know about you, but if we really listen to Jesus, then this morning we can look around at our family, we can look in the mirror at ourselves, 
We can embrace both the things that are lovely and pleasant and good and enjoyable and say thank you God for those things, but we can also take stock of our weakness, take stock of our brokenness, take stock of our hunger, take stock of our thirst, take stock of our desperation and say thank you God that the kingdom of God is for people just like me. Thank you God that your promises are for people just like me. If you take stock of your life this morning and you realize that you're broken and you're weak and you're sad and there's many things with which you struggle, then take heart. Embrace Jesus' definition of blessedness that the promises of God are for people just like you. The kingdom of God is for people just like you so that your home and my home can be little embassies of God's kingdom. If there is anything that we can do for you this morning, if you're struggling, we're all strugglers. If you're going through something that's challenging and difficult, we want to go through it with you. We want to pray for you and help you. So please reach out to us and let us know how we can help you and encourage you. We're going to sing one more song and then we're going to be led in prayer by our brother Carmelo Cuellar. Thank you for being here this morning.